The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Earth's mightiest heroes type thing. Avengers, time to work for a living. That's my secret. I'm always angry. I am on the side of life. You get hurt, hurt him back. You get killed, walk it off. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. I'm your host, Andrew, and I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers. Welcome to the eighth episode of our WandaVision coverage, eighth and final episode, where we will be talking about the series finale, the series finale. <laughs> well played. Very meta. Yeah, well played, Marvel, well played. I, I mean, again, it is a fitting uh, title for this episode, both because it is the series finale and because it is a, you know, common uh, phrase used with television. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, once again, you know, we are going to be going into fairly spoiler heavy territory. So you are warned if you haven't had a chance to watch the episode and you need to watch the episode before we talk about it. Take a moment. Go watch the episode. Come back. We'll still be here. You mean not everybody watched it immediately on Friday? I didn't hear about their servers crashing this time, so I don't know. <laughs> that was that was not as much of a phenomenon this time. I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it. I, I thought the episode was was very well done. It was a very good ending. Oh yeah. To this this show. Um, I mean, yes, I, think I felt very satisfied me. at the end. Yeah, satisfied's a good way to put it. Um, I wasn't blown away by anything that happened. There were a lot of things that were kind of, you know, fairly predictable. We kind of knew we were coming. Um, but Which is fine. At this point, we've had eight episodes to build up to that. And um, yeah, a few surprises, and but mostly just wrapping everything up. And Yeah, and you know what? In fairness... You know, I mean, I'm a big Marvel fanboy, but Marvel does kind of, you know, give you what you expect, whether it's in the end or part of the way through kind of depends. But for the most part, I know what I'm going to get from Marvel. So I'm not really here yeah, for the plot twist. You at least have twists. a general idea. I'm not here for the plot twist. Yeah. So, yeah. So this episode picks up where the last episode left off. Uh, I mean, pretty much exactly. Uh, we have Wanda uh, in the street confronting Agatha Harkness, who has Tommy and Billy in magical lassos, if you will, around their necks. Kind of little, like, magical leashes, really, is kind of what it reminded me of. Choke collars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like those those chain training har or collars for dogs. Yeah, yeah, um, And we see that Agatha has kind of lured Wanda out, and Wanda says... Uh, you know, I can use my magic out here. And she goes, oh, I'm counting on it. And we see Agatha's true power uh, come into play, which is that she takes power from others who try to use their power against her. There's a lot of power plays. <laughs> there is. And I would say, I don't know that it's necessarily her true power. It's her true intent, certainly. Yes. I mean, we kind of got that sense from, you know, her origin last episode. However, this is kind of her intent for Wanda. You know, we always got, not always, I mean, for the last episode and a half, um, <laughs> you know, we, we really kind of figured her intention was in some way trying to find out how Wanda did what she did. And in this case, we see that not only is she trying to figure out how, she is also then just trying to it's a real uh, just a naked power grab she physically wants wanda's abilities so the two of them begin a little bit of a of a of a showdown um and uh the the boys do manage the the boys do get released while the two of them face off and after a couple of quick 
powers exchanged, um, Wanda pretty quickly turns around and hits Agatha with a car. Yeah. That was a really um, (laughs) satisfying moment. It was also really funny because uh, when she gets hit with the car, Wanda goes to, to see what has happened. And all that's left are Agatha's shoes, which was just a fantastic imagery like throwing back to like wizard of oz yeah i was about to say that that's a wonderful wizard of oz callback Um, yeah which i believe later on in the episode when everything is like flickering and we'll talk about that but i believe one of the marquees on the theater had wizard of oz at one point i could be wrong interesting um i can't remember one thing, you know, one thing I do want to comment on that actually bugged me, uh, and it bugged me on 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 both of my my watches, is for some reason, and I don't know if it's the costume or what it is, when Catherine Hahn is doing wire work, doing the flying harness, there is something about the harness that makes her costume look super bulky. Interesting. Like especially in, like in the shoulders and in like like the chest, but not like like the 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 back really her back just like whatever it is with the harness or something it is it's just there is a very distinct difference between when she's just like standing and when she is doing flying work and it kind of bugged me i I was slightly bothered by um the the graphics uh when the the car came flying i don't know what it was it looked like the car came behind her and that it didn't actually hit her um i had to go back a couple of times to realize that they were trying to say that she got hit by the car. And I, I like missed that something in, in the visual effects didn't register with me when that happened. And then I was like, wait, whose shoes are that? I was so confused because I didn't see Agatha get hit. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Yeah. So after Wanda hits Agatha with a car, Wanda is then confronted by white vision. And at first it's, it looks like it's some, some kind of very touching moment. And then Vision tries to crush her skull, accompanied by a a fairly sickening bone cracking sound. Um, yeah, that was that was a, a good choice of effect. You're like, oh, oh, this is getting serious. Um, but then that's interrupted by we'll call him Hex Vision, I guess, <laughs> um, as a way to differentiate. Yeah, he's not real Vision, but he's not. Yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll get to the the ship of Theseus later, but yes. Um, <laughs> And the two of them start to fight. And I thought that was a that was actually a really interesting fight um, just based on, you know, they both have the same power set and, and they made pretty good use of Vision's phasing ability in the fight. And I thought that that got to be interesting and kind of a little unpredictable, which is which was fun. Yeah, I was fully expecting them to like fl- <laughs> I was fully expecting them to fuse which was your prediction last week um and it was it was really cool to watch them phase in and out of each other yeah and well and how they use that in in varying effects it wasn't just like punches and stuff it was it was grabs it was you know when they first collide uh white vision is is trying to choke out um hex vision and he's like can we, can we just talk about this and as that persists, he's like, oh, I guess not. And then just phases out through him. So that, that was well done. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is the point at which Wanda goes to investigate Agatha, um, you know, realizes she's not there and goes off in search of Agatha. Yes. And I think, is this the point where we meet up with Monica? Yes. Yeah. It's, yes. It's as, believe- it's as she's running off. We might <laughs> yes. meet up with Wanda and Pietro, fake Pietro. Um. At least at first. And we see, you know, he's kind of just 
chilling, quote unquote. He's he's very very bro. Yes. And uh, you know, he's sitting there playing on an acoustic guitar and just hanging out. And basically, you know, Monica tries to kind of confront him and escape, and he, with a, a single finger, sends her across the room. Uh, and then and, and then we actually we'll, we'll leave Monica for a little bit there. Um, I mean, I think she. she there's only two. There's I think two... she discovers his identity. No, not yet. Uh, at that point. No. Okay. That's in the second. That's in the second scene. Okay. Um. So. Um. I mean, we can talk about the second scene because it doesn't really. I can't honestly. It's such a short thing. I can't remember where it falls in. And this is important to me. Um. <laughs> so yeah. So so shortly thereafter, Monica recovers. Um. She's trying to figure out kind of what's going on. She starts ruffling through the papers and whatnot. Um. That are kind of on the. Ch- next to the chair she's sitting in and she finds first a bill and then a it's not really a headshot it's just a picture of uh fake pietro i think it is a headshot (laughs) if it is it is the most garbage headshot i've ever seen well that's fair (laughs) um but at the bottom is his real name which is ralph boner (laughs) boner uh, yeah, and that and that is that is his response. Um, at which point Monica tries to figure out how he figures that Agnes doesn't actually live there, and he's trying to figure out how, or she's trying to figure out how Agnes is controlling him, and she uses her new abilities. Sees it is the necklace he's wearing. He rips it. She rips it off, and at that point he goes back to normal, and he's you know terrified for his life. Yeah, and I had uh, I was first very excited that because that was something that we didn't think was ever going to be you know resolved because well, it, it was such a dumb thing i mean like i wanted to just because i like yeah. that kind of goofy dumb thing like you know that there actually is a ralph and i just assumed you know like i wanted to see it but i assumed it was not going to happen and then i get ralph yes so i was first very excited and then i was actually really disturbed by that <laughs> because um Agnes was constantly talking about you know uh about her intimate relations with her husband Ralph and I'm like so if if that happened was she, she was essentially raping him and that's very uncomfortable to think about yeah I think that was more just f- for sitcom dialogue and and also like that's some of the, what I'm gonna hope <laughs> I mean some of the things she she talks about you know, like with Ralph, you know, especially some of the more, I would say Ralph crammed in kind of things, you know, the honeymooners, um, really like effectively like a, a bro kind of character is kind of the, in a lot of ways, modern equivalency of, of that character. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhere between that and like Al Bundy. Yeah. But I, I really appreciated that they brought Evan Peters in basically just so that we would all go, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? Where is he from? Is he from the multiverse? Like, and, and have all these crazy fan theories. And then he's just a guy. Yeah. I will give them credit. That was a pretty good fake out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, but, but an enjoyable one. I'm not upset about it. Um, you know, when, when you, when you can pull a fast one on me, to be genuinely surprised. (laughs) Yeah. When you can pull a fast one on me like that, I, uh, I, I, I will give you some, some, some credit there. Um, right. So at this point, Wanda is walking into the center of town and, uh, Agatha appears kind of up, up on like a billboard and, you know, the two of them start talking. This is the first time we get introduced to the dark hold as the dark hold, uh, which was the, the book of the damned that we saw sitting on the, the lectern 
down in Ag- Agatha's basement. I guess it's, I guess it's Ralph's basement. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know that Ralph had the uh, the creepy uh, dungeon esque. I don't know, dude. Bros are hey, weird. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and, and this is basically like a, you know, a, a witch's book. Um, and we get a little bit more on the Scarlet Witch. Um, she needs no coven. She needs no inca- incantations. Uh, one thing that they said that was weird was that she's more powerful than the Sorcerer Supreme. And I don't, I don't necessarily disagree that that's, that's certainly possible, but like the Sorcerer Supreme, it's not like when you become Sorcerer Supreme, you have a fixed, a fixed amount of power, Right. Like, like it's a title. It's like, you know, it's like a chieftain, right? So, yeah. So like one Sorcerer Supreme could be a lot more powerful than another one, you know? So like that just seemed odd that you would, you would kind of tie it to that. Yeah. Um, no, she, and I, I, mean, she and could I be... think that was just fan service. I know apparently a lot of people were expecting Dr. Strange to come into play here because we know that Wanda is going to be a part of his next movie. Um, and so uh, I, I was appreciative that they didn't drag him into it, but just that brief mention um, was just, that was just the taste. Well, and I think it's designed to set up like that. That's the amount of setup I think we're going to get. Um, yes, we'll, we'll definitely touch on some of the fan theory stuff uh, before we before we end here. But um, but yeah. Um, so at this point, um, you know, Wanda basically keeps saying, "This isn't me." You know. I'm not controlling these people. And Agatha releases, uses a spell and releases Dottie from Wanda's control. And Dottie comes over, introduces herself as Sarah and starts begging for her, her daughter to be let out. You know, she could be a playmate to the boys. She could be the school bully. doesn't matter. Just please let her out. And Wanda's like, this is still trying to deny that this is her. And then Agatha releases everyone in the town square. So we see, you know, most of the people we we've been dealing with Jones and Herb and Mrs. Hart and, uh, Dottie, um, really kind of any, any of the characters were speaking parts prior to this. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the mailman, all those things. And, uh, you know, basically they're telling Wanda what they're experiencing and it is terrible. You know, their, her grief is, is killing them. Uh, when, whenever they're exhausted, whenever she allows them to sleep, they, they suffer through her nightmares. Um, and, and it's all too much for her. The guilt of finding out that this is what the people have been experiencing. Yeah. This is the first bit of, of reality. She's kind of, uh, I'm going to edit out a quite a bit of here, but um, we had a little bit of um, of Apple product, Apple uh, AI related um, terror for a moment there. So uh, we got a little sidetracked. Um, uh, one of my devices thought I was talking to it and then it talked back and I was not expecting that. No, uh, as a side note, probably well, it had to have been several years ago recording this podcast. Um, so one of the earlier episodes in our, when we were still living in our old house, um, I set off my Amazon device and it scared the living crap out of me. Oh, actually, no, I know what, I know what episode it was. It was the one where they introduced the red guardian because his <laughs> name is, his first name is very close to the wake word for my, uh, Amazon device. So yeah, now as, that was a, a just a fun little thing there. Um, no, we were talking about, you know, Wanda in the town square being overwhelmed by all of these people telling her the horrible things that she is really she is doing to them, whether she intends to or not. Uh, and it becomes too much and she lashes out and starts to just choke the life out of all of them. 
Like literally they have like bands around their throat of her, of her power choking them. Uh, she quickly becomes aware of what, what's going on and she stops it. But at that point, uh, Mrs. Hart calls her out specifically. If you won't let us go, if you won't set us free. Let us die. Um, which I mean, <sighs> I get it, but yeah, that's, that's a real, that's a real kick in the teeth. Um, so at this point, Wanda decides, you know, she has to end this. So she goes and begins to break down the hex. And you were about to say something. Well, I was going to say, and in doing so, uh, well, first, the boys who had been at home, uh, Billy uses his powers to see that she is in the town square and see that she is in distress. So Billy and Tommy come to help their mom and uh, and Hex Vision comes to help his wife. So then as she's taking down the Hex and she's telling all the townspeople, go get out of here, leave, um, uh, her family comes and they all start falling apart. Yeah. So so Wanda starts bringing down the Hex and it, and in, you know, the way she's doing it is she's very emotional at the time. So it's coming down in a very chaotic manner. You know, you see pieces of the Hex start, you know, it kind of starts pulling apart. Um, this is kind of as we, we discussed as Wanda is doing this, you know, all the various parts of the town are flashing between all the various time periods. You know, she yells at the Possibly people. Possibly the Wizard of Oz shows up on the marquee. I um, she yells at the people. She yells at the people in the that are around her to to get out to run. Um, and outside the hex, Sword and Director Hayward take this opportunity to try and make their way into the hex. Um, now this is actually the first time we see kind of how thick this hex really is um it is you know when we talked about monica pushing her way through and it taking a lot of effort you know not only did it take a lot of i mean she had to travel quite a ways to get through the heck like through this barrier into the hex so you know that kind of just amplifies how um for lack of a better term heroic monica's effort was yes um, but yeah, so now we have kind of three competing groups here or th- three, three adversarial groups. I should say we have, uh, we have white vision, we have Agatha and we now have a small contingent of sword yes. and they are now. F- well, yeah. And as sword is coming in, uh, Jimmy Woo has called in his friends at the FBI and we, we missed his scene. I forget where it was in the. Uh, it was just before that. it was, it was kind of a, as a part of this sequence. Yeah. Although I don't remember in the last, or in two, ep- I guess it would have been two episodes ago, them capturing James. Yeah. I'm not sure when that happened. Yeah. That, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on when that happened, but, um, James is in the custody of sword. Um, but in the process of, you know, confronting Hayward about what's going on. And this is really the first time we, like we see Hayward a little bit more sinister. You know, we talked last episode about how he was very just bureaucratic and, and whatnot. And this time he's almost, he he's hit a certain degree of obsession, um, that he's really just well, letting he, drive he his, cl- his, his, his actions. He does the, uh, the classic villain monologue. And yes. honestly, w- what I thought James Wu was doing, he, while his hands are handcuffed, he manages to, to grab a, a cell phone. What I thought he was doing was um, recording the villain monologue. Right. Um, but, but it turns out he was just grabbing the phone so that later he could pick the lock on his handcuffs, yell flourish, because he's such a fan of magic and of the WandaVision show. And <laughs> then he calls his friends at the FBI and says, Hey, can you 
get here within the hour? Because he had threatened Hayward. He'd already threatened Hayward that my friends are coming within the hour. Yep. So that was a cute little moment. Yeah, that was that was a nice that was a nice little little bit. Um, and I think it was an important moment because we will see Hayward become even more of a terrible person here very shortly. Oh um, yeah. But at least to start, you know, like I said, last time, last episode, he was very bureaucratic, but not really sinister. And and this time he he crossed that line. So we kind of had to we had to set up that escalation there. Um, So at this point with Agatha, with Sword and with uh, White Vision kind of surrounding the family, uh, the family, you know, teams up to to fight their various the various uh, villains they've been confronted with Uh, Vision and you know, Hex Vision and White Vision obviously go off and do their thing. Uh, Wanda begins to go fight Agatha, and the boys go deal with Sword. And uh, they have so much fun doing it. They like, do. I mean, you they're can ten- just imagine ten-year-olds with ten-year-old boys with superpowers. They're like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like The Incredibles, right? I mean, Dash just loves yeah. being Dash. You know, these boys love love having these abilities. Um, you know, they strip away all the guns from all the soldiers. Um, Tommy steals a pair of sunglasses and a hat. Um, yeah, and I know Tommy has Tommy has Pietro's ability and and it was really interesting because when he did that when he ran around uh to take all the guns and then he also steals the sunglasses and the hat I was like that feels very much like Evan Peters Quicksilver from the X-Men movies um just that kind of personality it does, although there is a little bit of that in um, in the the MCU Pietro when he first confronts Hawkeye and he knocks him knocks him down and he goes, "What? You didn't see that coming?" It's certainly oh, yeah. it's it's certainly not this not quite the same, but there's always a little bit of that attitude there. Um, but I think you're right. I think it definitely plays more into the the Fox Pietro than the MCU Pietro. Um, so from there, right with all of the sword agents uh, taken out. There is still Director Hayward, uh, and he basically has ha, is at is at his end, so to speak. And he gets out, draws his pistol, and attempts to shoot the boys. Now, I will say the one, um, actually, so the one what happens next is that as he's shooting, Monica runs in front to stop the bullets from hitting the boys, um, and they kind of pass through her in some in kind of an odd phased manner. And then just just fall, you know, harmlessly. I will say though, the boys were spaced pretty far apart, pretty <laughs> yeah. pretty widely, and like Monica ends up in between them. So Hayward was just like shooting in between the boys the first several rounds when he hits uh, when he hits yes. Monica. It's kind of weird. And I also don't understand what his motivation was for doing that, other than like frustration. But if you're uh, default response to frustration is uh, to shoot at a couple of 10-year-old boys. Um, you really should not be the director of of anything. You, you shouldn't be doing anything ever. Um, especially with guns. Yeah, you, should, you should just not be doing, especially not doing anything with guns. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why he did that other than, you know, it was a cool visual to have Monica come and rescue the boys who weren't really in danger i don't know it was weird yeah it was a weird moment <laughs> there was that and it also just it seems to be a bit of an exaggeration like a bit of a stretch for him to to want to go that far yeah so it, it has nothing to do with any of the aims that he has presented as his goals right um so finally when that doesn't work 
He gets in his car, slams it in reverse, is about to put it back into drive um, when we hear uh, like an ice cream truck-esque jingle. And uh, here comes Darcy with the funnel cake truck slamming into the side of of uh, Hayward's truck, uh, trapping him in there between that and, a, and another car. Um, so Hayward is now out of the picture. Um, unfortunately, uh, get a little ahead of ourselves, but this is the last time we actually see Darcy. Um, yeah, which is unfortunate, but I, I get it. You know, she's not she's not as central a character. To, to this particular narrative. So I, I get it. Um, from there, we go to the two fighting visions. Um, they're fighting in the public library, which I thought was a very fitting setting for this particular scene. Um, and Hex Vision asks White Vision why he's doing this. And, sa- and White Vision says that his, his mission is to destroy the vision. Um, and Hex Vision responds that he is the vision, but conditionally. And so... And that's enough to get White Vision to stop. <laughs> right. So he stops and he asks, what do you... Basically to elaborate what do you mean and they go into um the thought experiment in um identity metaphysics and all of this is actually a thing um dating back to ancient greece called the ship of theseus and basically the thought experiment says you know if you have the ship of theseus in a museum and the ship you know the ship over time rots and you replace all the boards once you've replaced all of the planks is it still the ship of Theseus? And if you take those original pieces free of rot and reassemble them somewhere else, is that the ship of Theseus? And the answer is both, both is yes to both and no to both. Um, and you know this gets White Vision thinking, and he allows Hex Vision to help him access his memories. You know, Vision says you know that he's he's a carbon based system, and it's not that easy to to delete their memories. So it it appears, you know, as we see, that White Vision gets access to at least the memories uh, that that Vision had up until his his death. He may not have context for those memories. He may not have the emotional connection to those memories. But the physical events, the representations are still there and he now has access to them. And at this point, he flies away. Now, there was one thing that uh, kind of bothered me. I don't know. Um, during this scene was that uh, Vision, uh, White Vision says to Hex Vision, well, you are the true Vision because you believe yourself to be. And Hex Vision said, uh, well, I I used to think that, but upon meeting you, uh, that's no longer the case. And I was like, why? Because Hex Vision still has no knowledge of what we found out the last episode, um, not, which was not that Wanda the, created him. Not to the same extent. He knows but, something's up, but I don't see how just seeing another version of himself instantly makes him know that he's not the real one or I think there's a, not I the think original. There's a, a, I, I don't know. I think there's a few things that, that add up to that. One is Wanda saying uh, early on before, before all the fights started, um, she admits I should have t- I I shouldn't have kept this from you I should have told you as soon as I found out what I was doing so there's the implication there that she's all she's behind it and that you know she was keeping things from Vision um you know based you know based on some of the other things I think Vision has gotten an idea that and the fact that he doesn't remember anything before Westview lends him to believe that whatever is going on with him started with Westview so that I, I think he's put together that. Not exactly how it happened, but that he in his current form did not exist before Westview. I mean, I cert- I certainly think he, he 
he has figured out, he's been piecing it together this entire series um, that something is up. But to say that he just saw White Vision and instantly knew that White Vision was made from the original planks and he was not... Um, that's uh, I, a stretch I, for me, but I'm I'm not a you know superhuman synthesoid, so what do I know? No, but I think being confronted, I think that's the last piece of evidence that he needed to be confronted with for him to really grasp not necessarily the specifics, but the 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 general concept of what's going on. Um, you know, because that that vision obviously came from outside the hex because it was it was sent on a mission to come destroy him, right? And it is, it is yeah. free of Wanda's control. So it obviously came from outside the hex. So if it came from outside the hex, that kind of logically, it has to be the the at least the physical real vision. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Now, from here, we go back to our witches battle, which I had a lot of fun with. I thought it was very, it looked great. It was well done. Um, but, you know, throughout this fight, you know, it's basically Wanda throwing what she can at Ag- Agatha and then Agatha just sucking more and more power from her. Um, and as the fight progresses, Wanda appears to become more and more desperate. Uh, you know, her power is being pulled from her. As, as that happens, she starts withering away, similar to what we saw in the beginning of last episode with the witches in Agatha's coven. And we get to a point where Agatha has drawn all of Scarlet Witch's power out. And Scarlet Witch is just kind of hanging there, um, very withered, very... Uh, Quite honestly, gray. Uh, I was going to say she's gray. (laughs) It's not even ashen. I mean, she looks mildly burnt. You know, as as Agatha's pulling more and more of this out of out of her, her, you know, she starts to look like she's covered in soot. You know, that she's been like rolled around in like a like a campfire or something. Um, and then finally, Agatha goes in for what is effectively the death blow. Um, and and throughout this, Agatha earlier on, Agatha promised that if Wanda gave her all of her power, that Agatha would would set the spell right so that you know her that that Wanda's family could could survive even after the hex is is uh destroyed and just before going for this this death blow Agatha admits that you know once cast a spell cannot be changed so at that point we know that you know this is probably not going to have uh, a happy ending no um but before we get to the sad part there is a super satisfying moment where agatha goes in for this last blow and nothing happens and she tries again and nothing happens and then you know we do the slow take you know of wanda returning to her 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 normal appearance her normal form um a small scarlet witch um headdress kind of forming and uh her kind of shifting out of the way and the camera kind of panning and on the wall of the hex is a rune and then we the camera keeps panning and we see another rune and we realize that when wanda was getting desperate it was a ploy and that she was intentionally missing agatha at various points and her her spells that she was casting were actually hitting the the walls of the hex intentionally to form these runes. And I had kind of wondered about that when Agatha first revealed runes because one, they had the hexagonal shape and then she was like, only the witch who casts the runes can use her magic. And I was wondering, Hmm, well, I wonder if, uh, if that's going to come into play again. Well, or if that means that uh, inside the hex, that Wanda should be the only one able to use magic. 
And once she put some runes on the wall, that is what happened. Yep. Um, at this point, Wanda takes back all of her power. Um, and maybe and maybe all of Agatha's too. It's not clear. Yeah, it's, it's not clear. Um, the two of them return back to the ground. Um, and Scar and and Wanda is in her new Scarlet Witch costume. Uh, we'll come back to that in just a second. We'll, we'll finish <laughs> up Agatha and then we'll come talk about that. Um, and at which point. You know, Agatha basically is saying, oh, you still need me. You know, I can teach you things. And Wanda's like, no, you're going to stay here. And in fact, you're going to be in the persona you picked out for yourself, the nosy neighbor. And she turns her back into Agnes um, and is basically leaving her trapped there. And honestly, Agnes has this like pained look on her face yes. as she's she's being forced to be the cheery happy nosy neighbor and but you can see in in her face and that's a testament to Catherine Hahn's acting that she's kind of she's aware that she's Agatha and and she is not happy about where she's at so I don't know that she's a that that she's really aware I think it's just like it pains her to be herself kind of thing, you know yeah um all right, so let's talk about this Scarlet Witch costume. Okay, first I want to talk about the fact that she spends the majority of her ass-kicking fight in this episode in her sweats and a ponytail. Like, yes, just a, a mama bear trying to defend her family and in practical clothing. <laughs> and I loved it. And she doesn't get into her Scarlet Witch costume until the fight's over and she's got the big blowout and the fancy clothes and everything and um yeah so i i loved her sweats and the fact that she was a superhero kicking ass in a tracksuit yep no that, i mean that, that was that was that was a nice a nice change of things um so so do you do you like the new costume i do I don't think I would like it all the time. And I don't think Wanda likes it all the time. She, she tends to prefer her comfy, uh, comfy real world clothes. But um, yeah, I think as a symbol of, of her power and um, of, of this persona of the Scarlet Witch, I think it's very cool. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a, um, a high necked, but like sleeveless um, top pants and, I'll call it like a waist cape. <laughs> it, it's it's a cape, but it's not coming. It's a cape, but it's not coming from her neck. It really starts at her hips. Um, it honestly, like I said, it, based on the silhouette before, it reminded me of like in Uncanny Avengers when she's wearing like a red, very stylized, but a red trench coat. It, it's a similar kind of cut and uh, silhouette to that. Um, that I really like. I don't. She has like long gloves um which you know fit her some of her her comic costumes um i've also i've seen some concept art where it wasn't gloves but like full on sleeves and like the shoulders were kind of a gold color i kind of like that better but other than that i mean this is a, it's a, a far more practical costume um her headdress is fairly small um but instead of just you know the solid piece it's actually kind of intricately almost like a carved wood um look to it yeah it's a very cool look and it is it definitely uh evokes scarlet witch without being the over the top costume that in the comics tends to uh right tends to be used which yeah. i know elizabeth olsen didn't want to have that 
type of costume. It's very impractical. And, you know, she she signed on for the Halloween episode to to kind of make fun of it. But it's kind of nice to see a more practical um, and and really just cool looking. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, like a lot of times the Scarlet Witch is costumes are are done to evoke you know being very sexy and in this this case i mean yeah it's a very it's still an attractive costume and you know elizabeth olsen is obviously still an attractive woman but it 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 is more powerful than sexual yeah and and i liked that um it apparently has a hood (laughs) yes you don't really see it but apparently that's there um yeah her hair is a little interesting i think it's just to make it a little bit more different than all the other hairstyles she's had. Yeah. A little more different. It's also a little more dramatic. Yes. So, um, so, so now we get to the sad part. Um, you know, Wanda knows she has to end the hex. Um, she knows that in doing so, you know, she's going to lose her family. Um, but because of what the hex is doing to everyone else, you know, she, she just, she can't, justify continuing it and so we see you know it's a it's a beautifully done sequence but and a fairly long sequence of the family leaving the center of town walking home you know they get home as they get home wanda and vision both transform back into you know street clothes and then they go tuck the boys in and gosh yeah um you know again you know becky and i have have two two young boys um and you know, as, as a parent of two young boys, especially, you know, knowing what Wanda knows that, you know, affect, you know, she's tucking them in, but effectively this is, this is their death, you know, and, and having to, to do this. I mean, I got, I got pretty choked up. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a beautifully done scene. Um, you know, they, they, they wish the boys good night. They tell them how, how well they did. Um, and you know, the, you know, the last thing Wanda says to them is, you know, thanks for choosing me to be your mom and then you know the door closes with them in bed yeah we're, we're both getting a little emotional here so, sorry folks i mean it doesn't help that that okay. two, two hours ago i put i put my kids to you know my, i put our boys to bed too so yeah this i mean this was this was a tough one to watch it, they they really you know hit right in the feels <laughs> <laughs> i just can't talk <sighs> yeah no i have nothing to add because i will just burst into hysterics if i do (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i don't know how much else there is to say i mean other than again it is just it is beautifully done you know and then wanda goes downstairs wanda and vision go downstairs wanda's turning the lights off um and and uh you know she turns all the lights off and as she turns the last one off vision turns one light on um so he can see her clearly you know till the end and then um you know vision takes they they have a beautiful goodbye scene yeah um you know vision finally asks the real question is what am what am i really and and wanda explains it you know she he that she he's made up of the piece of the mind stone that was in her from her experience um you know that that she made him this body um but that you know he is her grief and her sadness and her hope and mostly her love (sighs) And then he has he has a great line of um, oh there are so many great lines it's just it's so beautifully done but um, he says uh, I was a voice with no body referencing when he was Jarvis uh, body but not human when he became Vision and then he says I'm a memory made real who knows what I may be next yeah and then 
They've said goodbye many times before, so it stands to reason we'll say hello again. Oh, gosh. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's a good 10 minutes of just, especially, you know, if you're married and you have kids, it's 10 minutes of just just getting kicked in the heartstrings repeatedly. (laughs) Uh, Yup. So then the hex comes it it has been closing in on them this entire time and one thing that i thought was really interesting was that i will say it is it is moving at a highly inconsistent speed well that there's that <laughs> I, I, as as this scene is progressing it is interspersed periodically with different um you know scenes in the town as the hex passes over things and restores them and yeah it's definitely as you look in the town it's moving at a good clip man it takes forever to get to that house yeah um but shoot what was i gonna say i don't know i'm sure it was poignant whatever it was um oh yes i remember what it was so the as the hex is coming towards them in the past it has always been mostly with the exception of Halloween night. It's mostly always been daylight that we've seen in Westview. And then, uh, and it's been nighttime in the real world. And in this scene, as the hex is closing in, it's reversed. It's nighttime at their house and it's daytime in the real world, um, which I just thought was a nice bit of symbolism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and with that, you know, Wanda closes the hex and it's just her standing in the lot again. And from there she starts walking and, you know, it, it initially it kind of looks like, oh, she's just going to get back in her car and leave or something. Um, and instead she walks back to the center of town. And so here she is surrounded by all of these people she has been tormenting. Um, and she walks up to Monica, who is still in the center of town. And basically, you know, Monica says, you know, these people are never going to understand what you sacrificed. And and Wanda says, it, does, it, it doesn't matter to them because, you know, because of what they went through. And the two of them kind of share an understanding moment. Right? Monica acknowledges that, you know, she would have done something similar. She would have brought back her mom if, if, if she had the ability to do that. Um, and as... You know, we hear police sirens in the background, um, which we'll, you know, we see in a minute is is the FBI. Um, you know, Wanda changes back into her Scarlet Witch costume. You know, just kind of does one of those uh, magic transformations and flies off and leaves Westview, saying she does, yeah. she doesn't understand her powers, but she will. Now, one thing I do want to say is, and and I also read this somewhere else, but also had the same thought. Um, is that, you know, Monica's like, they'll never know what you sacrificed. Uh, but they do know the torment and torture she put them through. Like, yes, she sacrificed her family that she created um, to to let the people go. And we know that that makes her a hero. But she also was the villain. Like, she well, right. legitimately was... She, she may not have been doing it on purpose, but... Um, Right. She, I she, mean, I, I think the townspeople are pretty justified in their anger towards her. No, they are absolutely justified. Um, you know, if it weren't for her, they wouldn't have been in the situation in the first place. So, yes, she is certainly culpable in this. Um, honestly, I was kind of expecting, especially when the police sirens heard in the background, I was kind of expecting her to turn herself in. I wasn't. Yeah, I um well and because i think part of it is she knows she knows that she has some uh she has some mental health issues to deal with 
And she knows that when she's dealing with them, she puts other people in danger. So I, yeah, I, I, I was not surprised that she flew off. See, I don't, I, I wouldn't say that, coming. I wouldn't say that when she's dealing with them, she puts other people in trouble because the, a lot of it was her not dealing with things. Right. Yes. I mean, everything just blew up at once because, you know, I mean, certainly the, the situation she found herself in, you know, it would, would drive anyone to the brink. Um, But instead of but, instead of seeking out real help, you know, she, she didn't deal with it. So, yes, but but she now knows that when her emotions uh get the better of her, people around her suffer. So I I could understand. I mean, obviously, I could understand not wanting to go to jail or what, what, wherever they would take her. But, um, but not just, I don't want to get arrested, but also I don't want to be around other people who I could hurt again. Yeah. I mean, I kind of figured there would, there would be some, some aspect of her, you know, taking ownership of what she had done. And I think it was, I think she did have that in walking through the town square and having to deal with everybody looking at her i know i wouldn't have gone back i mean i wouldn't have I, I would not have either however i don't really find that to be taking responsibility f for the severity of her actions no but yeah i don't know um and and anyways so that that's where the episode ends now there are two post-credit scenes there's a, a mid-credit and a post-credit the mid-credit we see james woo taking charge and directing the FBI to go do things. Um, and what appears to be a sword agent come up to Monica and says, uh, they want to see you in the theater. She walks into the theater. There's no one else there, but the other sword agent. And then the agent introduces herself and says, I was, uh, I was sent by a friend of your mother's and she reveals herself as a scroll and implies that, you know, she, you know, she says, I heard you were grounded and uh, someone wants to talk to you and kind of points up it's like, okay, Monica's going to space. Oh yeah. And she is very happy about it. She gets a, a, a good grin going. Yes, she does. Now I am curious which of the, the two possible friends of her, of her mother's is, is it, is it going to refer to? Um, I kind of think it's going to be Talos. Yeah. Um, but it, it also very well may be Nick Fury because God damn it, Nick Fury. <laughs> and he's, he's up in space. Uh, at least last, what, yeah, last time uh, we saw him. Yes. The end credits of, uh, Far From Home. Was yes. It? Yep. Um, and then we finally get to our, our end credit scene, which is where we kind of fly in on a cabin in a very remote mountainous area. Um, and we see Wanda kind of sitting on the porch and we hear a, a tea kettle whistle and she goes inside and pours herself some water for the tea. And then the camera keeps going through the, the kitchen of this little cabin into the back room. And we see Wanda again, uh, basically astral projecting herself reading the dark hold uh in her full scarlet witch costume um very we'll talk about the we'll talk about the scene here because you and i both have different some different thoughts on this yes <laughs> um the wanda astral projecting reading the dark hold is very reminiscent to me of stephen strange uh studying using astral projection while he was sleeping in dr strange you were telling me i felt that it was very reminiscent of Thanos at the end of Infinity War going off to live in a cabin by himself. Um, he had done this terrible thing and now, um, which he intended and wanted to do, but, uh, but he went off and, you know, was going to go live in solitude now. And I think part of the reason that 
that image came to mind is because I brought up the fact that uh, that Wanda's uh, that Scarlet Witch's powers were kind of uh, the, the, juxtaposed to Thanos's. I was going to say, di- yeah, diametrically opposed. The, the two are kind of yeah. So Thanos, you know, wanted to destroy half of half of all life, and Wanda created life in her world. So so yeah, I just. I I got that I got a very Thanos feel from that. Yeah, uh, um, and and, and I can definitely I can definitely see um, where you got that from. Now, I, one of the things, just again, knowing the comics a little bit better, um, I think this is at least an allusion to Wondagore Mountain, um, which is where Wanda and Pietro were born, and um, the 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 characteristics of the properties of the area um, kind of played a part in in Wanda's um, having magical powers as opposed to just straight mutant abilities um so i think i think that's a little bit of a reference to that yeah so at the very end as she's you know floating there reading the dark old uh we hear tommy and billy yelling out mom mom help us mom yep. and uh yeah and and so i'm wondering is that just in her head that she's missing them that she's remembering them calling out for help is it i know some people have theorized maybe they exist in the multiverse or that maybe she's gonna try and bring them back some other way yeah. Um, now, now in the comics, obviously the the boys were creations of Wanda's, um, and basically she she had made a deal with Mephisto to to to, to get the ability to to do this, um, and so Mephisto ended up taking the boys back and 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 their souls. Um, so that's kind of how the boys come back in in Marvel comics. So not necessarily Mephisto, but something similar may occur, you know, in the in the MCU. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um. So speaking of, um, I mean, I mean, I think in general, fan reaction to the show has been has been relatively positive, with the exception of there are a fair number of people online who were pretty butthurt just in general that their fan theories didn't come true. Um, I actually sent sent Becky a, an article, and I'll probably post it on the on the Facebook page. Um, a satirical article, yes, very satirical about. Um, someone being upset because their Twitter theories didn't, or because Twitter told them things that didn't come true, that the show never promised. I mean, th- there were a lot of fan theories out there, the Reed Richards, the Mephesto stuff, that, you know, people were making a lot of very um, unsupported jumps in reason. Um, now obviously, you know, this is a comic book show, com- you know, comic book movies, and things aren't always going to be justified by reason. That's just a thing. But, like... <laughs> You know, Marvel in most ways is pretty good about at least teasing stuff. You know, if there's going to be something big, you know, the the Pietro reveal um, several episodes ago, that was probably one of the more surprising things. Um, and yeah, some of the cameos, you know, in various films have not necessarily been as telegraphed. But you know, something big like Reed Richards, or you know, or you know, them trying to add some kind of big villain in the the second to last episode of the last episode. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say they've never yeah. they've never done that because Luke Cage did it. But I'll tell you what, that almost that almost blew up an otherwise ex- excellent series was them trying to shoehorn a villain in like that. So, you know, I don't, I never saw them, them doing that and people getting upset about these fan theories not coming true. Like I just, I have a hard time understanding it. You know, if it's not, if the show doesn't deliver on something on a, on a, 
on something it promised, that's kind of one thing. But the show not delivering on things you made up in your head, that's that's on you. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of fun on this series, uh, coming up with our own theories and... You know, and and we've been wrong most of the time about what'll come next. Yeah, we've been wrong a lot more than we've been right, and it's definitely fun when uh, when you anticipate something and then it turns out to be right, and you're like, yeah, I got it. But um, the TV show is not for your ego boost, right? Um, it's not about you showing uh, like, look at all the fun things I know. Like you can enjoy your comics and you can enjoy your, uh, MCU and there's going to be some crossover and, but there's not going to be, as we've seen, uh, not everything is going to cross over perfectly. And that's what makes it fun and interesting to watch. If we knew what was coming, that wouldn't be very interesting. Right. No. And I mean, we've also seen, you know, when you try and go to comic book, um, it doesn't work. Uh, if you ever want to, you know, question that, go watch uh, the Ang Lee Hulk, which went very comic book. Um, or, you know, in a lot of ways, go watch Watchmen, uh, the Zack Snyder Watchmen. You know, I, I, I actually enjoy that, I think, more than most people did. Um, and that was a very faithful recreation of Watchmen. But, you know, I think it would have benefited from using a little bit more creative freedom, you know, instead of just following the, the book uh, like scripture. So overall... What are your final thoughts on WandaVision? I loved it. Um, and I actually really, even though I was frustrated by all the cliffhanger endings um, after most of the episodes, um, I still really liked the the once a week release. Um, and I think it, it really worked. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to try and go back and, and binge watch all the episodes now. But I honestly don't know that it's going to work as well binge watching versus watching one episode a week. No, I mean, I, th I th there are certainly the reveals won't carry the same weight when you're not sitting thinking about them and waiting for a week. Um, I do think it's going to be a really good rewatch with everything. Um, and I've actually kind of been not that I'm going to dive into that just yet. Um, but I actually have been thinking about, you know, whenever I do get around to rewatching the series, that it, like I said, it will be a very enjoyable rewatch for the full series, um, you know, to yeah, really because even with, you know, the weekly release obviously helps. But I think I think the episodes are broken down in a way that the pacing is going to feel really good. And it's only nine episodes, you know. Yeah. And and the production values and the acting and um, just coming from a, a theater background, um, it, it was very enjoyable to watch um, in terms of that. And, and also coming from a classic television fan background, <laughs> it was very nice to watch. Yeah. No, I, I mean, is this a perfect series? No. I do. Honestly, I think this is one of the better things that Marvel has released in a long time. Endgame and Infinity War were both great. Um, but even those, I don't think, carried the emotional impact that a lot of this series did. Um, especially, like you said, watching it in the week-to-week the -week format. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what where uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier goes. Um, it's obviously going to have a very different feel than this series. Uh, but knowing that, knowing the success they've had with this miniseries, which is really the first um, Disney-done MCU series like this, right? the only other series we've had are the um, or the Netflix series, which were very, very good, but very different. Um, and also Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is, again, very different. Um, you know, I think this gives me a lot of optimism looking forward into um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and a lot of the other series they've announced. 
So, you know, this is, this is going to be good. And, and um, you know, I, now I, the rest of them have to live up to this. Well, I mean, even if they don't necessarily live up to like, I think they're all going to be going to be good. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, Marvel and Disney have had a, a, a tremendous amount of success with the films. Um, they've had mixed to very poor, you know, reception for television shows. You know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of mixed. Um, Inhumans was an absolute disaster um i think i watched two and a half episodes of that and i had to stop because it was so it was such garbage um the production value was low acting was crap it was just it was all around a giant turd sandwich um but uh you know and obviously they did very well with the netflix series but they didn't they didn't control that as much so you know, it's it's good to see them going into different avenues of, of putting this stuff out um, and having such success. So um, it is worth noting that we are going to uh, attempt to continue um, doing this, this secondary podcast uh, when Falcon and the Winter Soldier come out and then probably Loki. So there'll be a, yeah, a week or two. I can't remember the exact spacing here but about a week or two between this episode and the the first episode for falcon the winter soldier um you know and, we'll, and as these these marvel shows come out we'll we'll keep doing them um and obviously I'll, i'm going to be continuing to work on the the comic based content so yeah I mean, this has been a lot of fun and we intend to keep doing it we may maybe mix things up a little bit bring in an, another person or 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 so periodically could be fun yep your uh, becky's sister has a lot to a lot to say about things she has very little knowledge about the comics, but likes to theorize. Yeah, I think that I think her last theory was Dottie was Mephisto. <laughs> and that was mostly just that was mostly just for her own entertainment. I don't she didn't actually believe yes. that, but but it no. was it was funny. Um so remember, you can find us at avengersassembly.com, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, and you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud and YouTube. Thank you for joining us for WandaVision. And next, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day. Have you ever tried shawarma? There's a shawarma joint about two blocks from here. I don't know what it is, but I want to try it. <laughs>